Welcome to the Capital Integrative Health Podcast, a podcast dedicated to transforming the consciousness around what it means to be healthy and understanding the root causes of both disease and wellness. I am Dr. Andrew Wong, co-founder of Capital Integrative Health, an integrative practice committed to expanding access to holistic root cause medicine to the global community. Today, we have our friend and colleague, Corey Jackman. Corey is an acupuncturist and traditional Chinese medicine practitioner who has been with CIH for several years, helping her patients get to the root cause of conditions including anxiety, chronic pain, digestive concerns, and much more. His primary goal is leveraging the power of acupuncture to move patients towards long-term wellness and optimal health. Today, we are going to dive into how acupuncture and breathwork can benefit your health. We want to let you know that for this episode, we were not able to use the original audio from the microphone, but because the conversation with Corey was so valuable, we wanted to share the audio that we captured from our camera. We hope you can still enjoy learning about how acupuncture and breathwork can be powerful tools on your health journey. Again, welcome, Corey, and thank you so much for being on the podcast. Absolutely. I'm very excited to be here. This is going to be fantastic. Thanks Absolutely. Yeah. Good to, good to be here. Yeah. So first, I guess we could talk about uh, your background and maybe how we know each other and mm-hmm. how we kind of met and then getting introduced to integrative health. You know, how were you introduced to integrative health? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can start with that since it's happened such a long time ago, sort of chronological here. Um, right. Yeah, it was... Um, I uh, wasn't doing too hot when I was younger in, in uh, high school, you know, just um, sort of uh, feed myself with Taco Bell and nothing wrong with that. But, uh, you know, that's sort of <laughs> that was my lifestyle and uh, having a lot of, uh, of poor health uh, and, and concerns and was um, introduced to a oriental medical doctor, um, Dr. Jake Frank, and, and was able to see him, fortunately, for a series uh, of treatments that had changed my life and sort of uh, never looked back. It was sort of opened this, this potential and this opportunity that um, right in the time when I was trying to figure out what to do, you know, with my life, it was sort of, I have a lot of um, a lot of medicine in the family, you know, orthopedic uh, uh, surgeons and dentists and that sort of thing and uh, allergists, uh, you know, and so it sort of, it was, it was a template, but um, it didn't quite fit me. You know, I was really interested in jumping in and, you know, helping people and, and, and making a difference. And, and that was a, a vehicle that I sort of chose to do that through. So, you know, it was a lot, it was sort of functional medicine before it was, <laughs> it was around as much as it is today. And it was, um, you know, it was leaky gut and candida and all these sorts of treatments for these types of things. And it just really, it changed my life. And so went uh, through school looking to uh, go pre-med and then just sort of um, couldn't convince myself that was the route that was best for me. And I sat down after them and all these things and said, write a personal essay. And it was sort of, I couldn't convince myself. So I couldn't even <laughs> begin to write one. So as you know, this is, this is what looked, uh, uh the most promising and I, I set sail on it and it's been uh, a fantastic journey. You know, I think it's hard for us to know what we're going to end up in life actually doing from day to day. And if it's really going to be a great fit until we go, uh, you know, decade deep in it and figure that out. So I've been very fortunate to sort of be aligned and a, a match with what, with what I do. Really yeah, love so care it sounds like your personal experience with Dr. Jake and maybe doing some acupuncture and mm-hmm. TCM type treatments mm-hmm. really changed the the narrative on what you wanted to do mm-hmm. in your career. Yeah, that's great. Supremely effective. And it was, um, yeah, it worked great for me. And it was, um, you know, it was, it was a great engagement with the patient and it was really getting to know people and it was sort mm-hmm. of you know, it, it fit well. It had time and space to do it in, you know, under, under it wasn't under constraints of other types of, uh, of medicine. As, you so know, you so. went to acupuncture school eventually mm-hmm. at the formerly known as Thai Sophia. Absolutely. Now called MUIH. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about that experience with an acupuncture? How'd you get introduced to, um, you know, some of the, the deeper aspects of acupuncture that you mm-hmm. practice now? Yeah, just, you know, I, I felt like the universe sort of had my back on that one, just like uh, put me in the right place at the right time. You know, it was, uh, I, you, I couldn't do that again if I tried to make that work. You know, looking at schools and what do you pick one out of a hat to do a tour? You know, <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, yeah. the place was such a good fit. You know, just the, the philosophy and, and the people and the, um, you know, the whole vibe of the place. Uh, it just, it gelled. It was a huge place of transfer, personal transformation and growth. And I think that's what they really uh, foster well is just, you know, you've got to live it, you've got to learn it, and you got to sort of be it to, to become it, you know, and so it was really uh, pivotal in that in that way for me. So, um, yeah, um, and then, you know, uh, throughout my resume after school, uh, you know, did a, did a, a bit in, uh, at the private practice, and I did a bit at uh, 
the VA Medical Center um, downtown DC, you know, and, and it was uh, in with a research organization there, and then uh, went out to um, uh, Casey Health, where I met you, and that was a fantastic sort of uh, uh, eye-opening experience to be sort of uh, introduced to you and your mindset around medicine. I hadn't been exposed to anybody in this service, um, you know, had your your same sort of outlook on things, so that was just that was transformational, and I, I sort of I knew when I found you, <laughs> it was a good it was a good match. So. Um, yeah, so we, you know, we had a bit of a, a time there and then, you know, followed you on over here and just been absolutely uh, amazed at what you're creating and, and the, uh, you know, the, the, the whole team, you know, that have never been and in with some organization that everything's resonating on the same sort of plane with, you know, all the staff, everybody that I feel, you know, loves to be it's here. It's been an amazing journey, absolutely. Mm-hmm. The people here are great and they're heart-centered. And, and speaking back to MUIH, you know, a lot of us are, have some training or some, you know, at least philosophical similarities with MUIH, yeah. Maryland and University of Integrative Health. So yeah. yourself, Liz, a lot of the nutrition team mm-hmm. as well. Absolutely. Um, what do you like most about being an acupuncturist? Uh, let's start with that. Yeah, I, um, I get to talk to the most amazing people that do the most amazing different things that I'd never be exposed to in my life. That's one one sort of small little tangent, but um, really get to dive into someone's life and I have the time to explore and see how it really ticks. And, you know, I don't feel sort of constrained to go explore and really investigate, you know, and I think that's the key to sort of health and wellness is, you know, you can be a, a, a decent fit for a lot of things, but how do you know you're the right fit and you've got the right tool and what that tool actually is. Um, and so, um, this is getting to know people and then watching transformations. I mean, it, you know, selfishly, it's one of the most rewarding careers I think I could ever stumble into, you know, and it's, uh, um, yeah, just to watch and be a part of somebody's growth and transformation and, and their healing journey, you know, whatever that starts at and whatever it sort of becomes, it's just fascinating to watch and uh, to be a part of. So. I feel like that's why a lot of us go into healthcare is to connect with people and mm-hmm. to, to not only help people, but also connect with them because we're so interested yeah. in people and right. their mindset, their lives, their hobbies, their passions, mm-hmm. all that. And yeah, it's it's uh, it's amazing the different lives people live and uh, exactly. sort of getting a window into that, yeah. And I think... Besides that, clinically, we know that patients are our best teachers. You know, we can do all the studying and all the conferences and read all the books we want, but when we connect with people, that's when the real magic of our learning happens as well. Absolutely. My only uh, uh, other thing that's sort of, uh, that, that hits on a similar level is, is, is parenting, <laughs> you know, to, yes. to, to be the yes. thing that, uh, you know, somebody else is going to emulate, you know, calls me to a higher standard the same way that, that acupuncture practice does. It, you know, it really, um, and I've sort of welcomed it and invited it in, but just, you know, to put my life on display and sort of be, uh, you know, step up to be that role model and sort of, uh, um, you know, live the lifestyles that I speak of and the behaviors that I, you know, that I encourage people to do as, you know, through example. And so, you know, it's really that accountability that that's brought into my life where, you know, I've, I've got to put it all out on display and none of it's, you know, I don't intend on hiding any of it. So it's, you know, but it's got to be kind of, you know, right. What did I eat? It's know? about being, not doing. It's mm-hmm. about living that life and Absolutely. embodying that health and I feel like with acupuncture too, as my training with medical acupuncture, and I was sharing this with Liz on the first podcast, is I feel that healing involves you know this relationship mm-hmm. between the practitioner and, and the patient. But some of those, you know, I guess boundaries might be somewhat a little blurred there because we know that with healing in a traditional model, you have a provider mm-hmm. that provides some X Y Z amount of care to a patient in a very almost like a passive way. Mm-hmm. You know, like you think about like passive administration of antibodies or something, mm-hmm. or you know, administration of medications or supplements, which I think could be really helpful for a lot of people. Right. From a healing perspective, I always felt that when I, when I do acupuncture treatment, I'm also getting healed by the universe in a mm-hmm. way. So it's like a bi-directional energy exchange as opposed to Absolutely. a person doing a treatment on another person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a connection. You know, it's sort of you know you've. Uh... Right, you're in, in that moment, you're on the same journey. You know, you're walking right beside them and it's on the same thing. Yeah. And you get to sort of, uh, right, in some some strange way, experience that growth and transformation also, you know. Uh, in that same book together. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And and so we talked about a little bit about, you know, acupuncture and how that's been so transformational for you. Let's get into some of the, the details of acupuncture because I don't think a lot of people would necessarily know. They might have had a couple of treatments. They might have known someone that got acupuncture but let's start from real basic first Mm -hmm. what is acupuncture how does acupuncture how can acupuncture help help people's health 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, a very vague understanding out there, right? It's a friend had it or somebody. They, you know, most people know somebody that's had it. But most people know that acupuncture involves needles, I would say. Right. Yeah. And even that understanding is very poorly understood. I know it's sort of, you know, I guess the best that I can sort of assume is that the people relate it to their other needle experiences of hypodermics. It's just not the same thing, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, like getting a blood draw. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's a... Uh, couldn't be any more different in my experience, but uh, uh, you know, I totally agree. But that's what we yeah. start with for most people. So it's a you know it's a bit of understanding and a, and a learning that has to happen, and you know what it is and what it isn't, you know. And then um, and it's hard to wrap your head around, you know. You can put a little piece of you know, a little very uh, tiny sliver of, of stainless steel in the very precise thing, and some electrochemical reaction happens, and your life changes. You know, I mean, how do you, <laughs> how do you, how do you break that down into something that's understandable? Um, and, and, you know, and how do you invent that thing? You know, uh, it's very, it's very poorly understood. But what we do is uh, have is, you know, generations and generations of, of the shoulders that I'm standing on of experience and, and lifetimes of learning uh, and practice. So we know what, to, when to do what and why to do it and what to expect and anticipate as an outcome. So uh, it's very understood in the practice of, but scientifically, you know, the mechanism and, and that sort of uh, hasn't been discovered yet is the way I like to put it. You know, I just think we're continually learning and we just sort of don't understand it, the complexity of what really exists. So, yes. Um, yeah, so that's kind of... My, and my understanding of acupuncture is that because there's different meridians in, in the TCM system, mm-hmm. where there's energy channels, acupuncture tries to unblock those channels or meridians. Is that that's part of acupuncture? Yeah. Yeah, probably break it down a little bit and sort of uh, go into it, right? Because I think there is sort of a, a, a learning curve for most people out there. Um, imagine some listening to this as well. But um, yeah, we've got a, a system of channels. Um, Sort of back up a little bit here. We got we have twelve primary acupuncture channels, and um, and they circulate this very poorly understood chi <laughs> sort of energy, right? And um, it's a life spark. It helps things do their function. Um, there's a lot of ways to describe it, um, and it's hard to measure. Um, so we have this kind of a, a circulatory system, so to speak, of this energy that circulates around our body. Uh, and as I um, you know, I like to, my analogy um, that I got from a colleague is sort of garden hoses. You know, we have uh, 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 these 12 garden hoses that are, are connected, sort of screwed end to end, and we've got 12 defined sections of them. And it's a closed loop, and it circulates it around, right? But, uh, um, you know, we, we want continuity in the system. And so as I'm, I'm addressing a patient, you know, I'm looking for uh, a few different things in that system. You know, I want to make sure that, you know, as the, as the um, sort of, energy flows around the system. Is there any major blockages in the system? You know, is there a dam in the river? Is there a kink in the hose? Is the coupling's not screwed together? You know, is there some underlying blockage that's going to prevent the progression? And if there is, is if that exists, then, we, then we, we need to resolve it first before we sort of set the foundation up before we go on. And then, um, and then we start to work at, you know, uh, um, you know, equality, is everybody getting a fair share of what the energy that's being circulated? Does everybody have enough to do what they need to do? And so then we, um, start to work on balancing out the system, make sure the distribution is, is good. And then we start to work in, and it doesn't have to necessarily be in this order, but the quality of how the energy feels, you know, is a very sort of uh, um, particular sort of optimal quality that we're looking for. And, you know, as we see sort of, um, you know, different different conditions arise, the quality changes a bit. I'm going into that a bit. But, um, yeah, you know, each one of these sort of 12 channels, the way that I, uh, I think, I'm not trying to dumb down anything. It's just, it's hard to explain in, in ways. And so I use a bit of analogies with it. But, um you know, if we were going to divide ourself, our whole human existence in uh, 12 equal pieces of a pie, right? All our physiological function, all our mental, emotional uh, processes, all our spiritual aspects of ourselves. And we were to sort of put that all in, a, in a 12 equal containers. You know, each channel is responsible for its own, for that group of functions. And so when we're doing an intake with someone, you know, in the, in the conversation where we're identifying who's responsible for this and sort of who's not picking up, the, uh, you know, their, their fair share kind of thing. So, um yeah, so that's kind of how the channel system works and, and mm-hmm. the different things it can affect. And acupuncture events. also relies heavily on pulse reading. Mm-hmm. So can you explain to everyone what pulse reading is and how why that's so important? Yeah, you know, we, we need a, a sort of a, a, a look in, you know, an accurate uh, uh, look into the body to tell us what's happening, you know, in, and currently. And so, you know, before labs and before imaging and all these other ways to sort of take Maybe a, a window to the garden hose. Yeah, right. We got to take a take pressure. a look. Exactly, it is exactly it. So we have to, you know, do some sort of assessment that uh, can tell us what's going on, and, and we use the pulse um, uh, quite heavily. Um, and so, I, I explained it a lot to patients. So you know, anyone that's been in treatment with me has probably heard this sort of explanation before. But um, you know, it's um, we we take a pulse. 
you know, on the, on the, on the radio artery. And it looks like a, a regular pulse, but it's not related. There's, there's some concern with the heart rate, but it's not the heart rate that we're looking at. We're looking at the fluid, the quality of the fluid in, a, in an elastic tube. And so the way to sort of, excuse me, uh, understand that is there, the, we can't feel the chi. It's, there is no substance, right? So we have to measure it somehow. So we feel the blood and we sort of, you know, the um, blood follows chi. And so the blood is this kind of artifact or, or hologram of the, uh, of the chi. And so by feeling the quality of the blood, we can make an interpretation of how the chi is doing. And so in these very particular spots, we're looking for what the, the quality and what the volume, all the different sort of uh, uh, characteristics of, uh, of what that feels like. And so... Um, kind of go around the loop of those 12 little garden hoses and sort of check in and who's got what and how does it feel and each one of these sorts of things. And so, you know, my analogy that I use oftentimes because it's kind of a, a magnified view is to, um, is uh, water balloons. It's another elastic, you know, thing with fluid inside. And even, you know, with no practice, eyes, your eyes closed, I could set out a couple um, water balloons here on the table and we could, uh, you could tell me very easily, this one's got a little air before I get to some water, you know, and so it's kind of, it's not quite full. And then this one is so overly full, chock full, you couldn't fit anymore. And the whole outside's all tense and rigid. And, or this one has some, you know, the vis- viscosity is different in this one. It's got some sort of, you know, jelly in it. <clears throat> I think that's a crucial difference as well between a Western pulse, which is taking it and, you know, one spot on the radio artery, mm-hmm. and it's really just with, you know, a couple fingers. Versus the acupuncture, more of a superficial middle and deep pulses, and there's three different, right, different, three different positions, two layers, both sides, yeah. right, on mm-hmm. both sides, right. Mm-hmm. So that's like 18 pulses essentially. Yeah, or which more, one is different yeah. to uh, yeah, related to the 12 yeah. channels, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so it's you know it's it's a lot of uh, nuance, and it takes forever to learn. <laughs> it's, you know, still still trying to get better at it. Um, uh, but it really helps me sort of set up the treatment. You know, I sort of, I need to define what's happening. Our conversation helps and all these other sort of assessment techniques help. And uh, I need to sort of have, you know, what's happening internally. And then it helps me sort of design the treatment. And so we'll set up, uh, uh, you know, what we're going to do for the day and then put those in. And then I use it as the only way to get better in life, I think, is just massive amounts of feedback, you know, in the system. So I think it's, uh, you know, it's it's checking to see, as my treatment landing, how's the body responding to what I've decided to do, you know, and is that actually moving the way that we've intended to do it? And so uh, I check in with the pulse a lot. If you're going to come in with treatment with me, you can sort of put your wrist up and, you know, be really good at that, uh, doing it multiple times in a treatment. And then, you know, when we finish, sort of take a snapshot of where we left off with, and we see if that returns, if it stays, sticks around, all that sort of stuff. It really gives me a lot of yeah. information. I have a few follow-up questions to that, Corey. Mm-hmm. One is, what conditions do you find acupuncture most helpful for in your experience mm. as a clinician? Yeah, um, all sorts of things. The breadth of what it influences is huge, you know, and it's sort of, uh, um, I mean, I'm amazed at what people walk in and ask me to do uh, sometimes. And um, and that's fun part of it too, you know. Um, I think it's, it's you know, it's better at some things than others, uh, but it can sure do a lot. Um, can't do everything. There's not much panacea out there. And it works great in combination with other things. I think right. it's, you know, a lot of different modalities in healthcare are kind of a Venn diagram. You've got kind of a bleed over into the other modalities a bit, you know, and there can be some cross mm-hmm. influence, but hitting it sort of spot on in the center of your circle is pretty important, you know. Um, obviously, you know, there's been plenty of research on aches and pains, you know, we've sort of proven that over the years. Uh, um, not to say that every every single pain responds well, but that's a pretty uh, generally easy thing to sort of accomplish. Um, I end up treating a lot of uh, anxiety um, and emotional sort of disturbance that gets a little st- too sticky. Uh, and then um, uh, sleep, you know, I think uh, working here is sort of one of the uh, one of the beautiful things is the sort of level of education and the knowledge that um, that people have here and especially working with you over the years. I mean, you're one of the best people that, I, that understands acupuncture the most and what to sort of expect it to do uh, for someone. And, and the referrals I get here are just spot on. <laughs> you know, it's a really, it's a nice when that's all matched and somebody's yeah. expectations of what they're going to come in and get and they, you know, they achieve that. That's great. They give great feedback back to me, back to the team. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Fun. And, and so, yes, yeah, sleep, anxiety, emotional issues, mm-hmm. aches and pains, of course. Mm-hmm. What about digestive issues? Have you had any... People that, that come in for more like irritable bowel or some digestive issues. Yeah, you know, um, uh, I think it's, it's it's it can be very helpful uh, in that uh, arena. I'm I'm you know totally transparent. I'm really happy to work on a team with nutritionists because it's so hard yes. to sort of like 
the education that has to go into teaching people and the sort of, you know, the behavior change and the influences, right? It's, it's tough to be the only one-stop shop on all those things. And so it is great to work with a team that can help educate and work with things, you know, if it's biochemical and there's, you know, or if it's the, if it's food or if there's different things going on that are besides energetic, sometimes it's hard to do it alone, but you know, I can have a great influence on it. Got somebody's, uh, um, uh, uh, constipation moving along the other day. It was great, great outcome, you know, different abdominal pains. You know, it's really tough to assess different sort of signals and signs well, where they're coming from inside. And, and we are very lucky and blessed to have great nutritionists here. And mm. think, uh, you know, it takes a village. You know, that's what I always say. Absolutely. To, you know, uh, luckily here we have a village that talks to each other and communicates and right. coordinates, right? You can have a village that they're all just like in their huts and Mm-hmm. You know, maybe on the, the Wi-Fi, yeah, on the whole time or something. But. Which is what it typically ends up being, you know, right? And right. all the places that I've, that I've uh, worked at, right? The, the, the effort, the intention is there, but the action Absolutely. is really tough to keep up with, right? Right. Right. The integration of the providers, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think you were saying before, before the podcast started rolling, that you know you're looking at kind of a this optimal view of, of medical and, and healthcare and wellness care as kind of like spokes in a wheel. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of talk a little bit more about spokes in a wheel? And yeah, yeah. That was a great... You know, yeah, I was just sort saying. of dreaming this up last night, thinking about coming here and talking about it. Uh, yeah. But um, yeah, it was, um, you know, people can seek out acupuncture primary. I mean, we can do a lot of different things. I don't think it's, you know, uh, in our in our society and, and with our system, you know, I don't, I don't think it serves that role. I think, you know, what you, what, what you do and what the primary care team does is sort of the hub. You know, you have to sort of differentiate which which constellations of treatment are going to be the most accurate fit for what somebody has. And, and that's uh, uh, utmost important. And I think that's what you guys do a great job. And then I'm a, I'm a spoke out on the wheel here, you know, and I can be a really good fit, but we have to sort of, it's best to know that that's going to fit really well. And I think, uh, you know, where I sort of expanded that idea was that, you know, it, it's also very important to have a wheel that surrounds this hub and that spoke because to sort of contain it all. Because I think, you know, what, what, what ends up happening in our sort of modern system is, uh, you know, you've got a hub that might sort of throw you out on a vector, you know, on a trajectory out into one of the spokes, but there's no sort of rally back in and sort of containment to keep it all sort of together. A one-way ticket. Yeah, it's a one-way ticket, you know, yeah. right? Slingshot to, to Pluto and beyond, you know, <laughs> but where's the, you know, it's, it's the onus is on the patient to sort of, you know, to collect and to return back and to sort of keep up with that, right? And it, But it takes a quarterback and kind of, you know, somebody at the hub to sort of, you know, Mm-hmm. choreograph all of that and, and we did talk some at some of our podcasts already about how the patient is the ceo of their own health mm-hmm. however there are times that you know the patient especially initially in their journey if they're having some chronic illnesses or maybe have some time and energy issues mm-hmm. initially might need more of a support in the beginning so that's where i think that we all analogy really fits too yeah yeah it's tough when you're going through it you know people are in a, in a tough jam sometimes and it's um it's tough to have the 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 physical resources the energy you know the time you know financially and then you know if you if you're lacking in support around you to help sort of you know contain your wheel you know it's it's, it's tough i i am going to do a little shout out here for acupuncture for the immune system because mm-hmm. it is about still COVID 19 pandemic here 2021 and i have personally used acupuncture for myself but i've had colds and i was sitting at home putting some uh you know, gallbladder 21 points, things in my own arm. Like, mm-hmm. ah, shoot, I got to get mm-hmm. get over there and stretch over there. But it, it really made a difference, you know, for me. And, and I know that acupuncture also can do things like just to kind of throw in some research here, increase natural killer cells. It can mm-hmm. decrease cortisol. That If that cortisol level is too high, you know, sometimes Absolutely. you don't want it to be that high. And obviously it can do things like balance the autonomic nervous system, improve the vagus nerve activity, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, it does so many things from a sort of this Western, you know, physiologic mm-hmm. level Absolutely. that essentially translates to the patient as well. I feel great. You know, my immune system is better. I'm not getting as many colds now or, you know, whatever. So yeah, and how do you measure that, right? Right. How do you really have a sensation of that, of a, of a better immune system, right? It's hard for people to right. tell until you live it out and have some experiences and see how it sort of, That's right. you know, how it fits. So, um, yeah, it's, a. Uh, um, you know, it's unique. Is it, you know, is it your, your sort of, is it the key for your lock? And I think that's sort of, you know, it takes a bit of exploration as a, as a patient to sort of find what that fit is. And unfortunately, a little trial and error, but that's, that's also right. a learning journey for you uh, to sort of explore and, um, yeah, and to see sort of how, how much of it fit. I think you'll know early on with any treatment, you know, if it's the right sort of fit. But In my practice, I really have felt that acupuncture is one of the best treatments for the immune system. So do you recommend that? Quite oh, that? absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, you know, back to sort of you being a CEO of your own health, you know, it's sort of, the, you got to take the onus on yourself. And sometimes you can sort of go very far with, if you're, if you're doing the work with, with diet, yeah. exercise, 
mindfulness, meditation, yeah. breathing, all the, all the things, right? And if you're doing those, and sometimes you also need to help up, you know, helping hand to sort of just uh, give you a little cyst, you know, and That's sort right. of give you the layup so you can, or give you the ball so you can make the layup. That's what well, you mentioned mindfulness and meditation, so that's a perfect segue to the next question, the mm-hmm. next area of uh, topics we want to talk about today, because you're such an expert in and very passionate about breath work. So I think let's talk about, first of all, how you view stress. Mm-hmm. What is stress? How you view stress, and then how do we transform our way of looking at stress mm-hmm. by using the breath and, and other things? Yeah, absolutely. I'm probably going all, all day on this. Uh, uh, talk yeah, about we can talk about that on another podcast. It's um, yeah, we can, time, we can right? we can touch on it if we yeah. want to sort of uh, dive deeper in another time. I, you know, it's um, you know, the universal with people uh, uh, and existence, and I work with people, and that's what we talk about. You know, it's just um, you know, I think there's um, a couple of different ways to explain it. Maybe we'll go with sort of. Um, Sort of differentiate suffering and 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 stress. Um, I guess one of the ways I'd like to explain sort of things is you know you've got um, well let's, let's let's go with uh, with the stress. You know it's it's tough to be a a, a good have a, gr- a great view of your own stress. I just had somebody the other day. It was like uh, how would I know if I'm stressed? You know after there's some blind spots. Oh right. yeah. It's, yeah. It's after sort of all the explanations of what was going on in this person's life, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, how will I know it's there? You know, and it's like you know the awareness has to sort of uh, uh, be at some level to know what's actually happening internally. And and how do you know that? You know, I mean, I think you know stress is such a vague term. You know, better use this as sort of engineering term as as I've been taught. Um, you know, and it's uh, it catches everything for us, but it's not just every sort of blanket catch-all thing. It's very detailed, you know, and it's very specific things in people's lives. You know, is it your colleague that's annoys you every day? Is it your, you know, is is, is it is it a health concern? You know, what what is it? And define it a bit for yourself. And then you know, all stress isn't created equal. It's different weights, but then there's also sort of the you know the, the you know the relative stress of sort of stress over time. You know, and it's like um, you know the analogy that I like uh, that I've heard before is. Is you know how much uh, uh, does does that microphone that you're talking into weigh? You know, is it maybe like a, a, under a pound, let's say. Right, it's not a very heavy thing, but if you take it off uh, that stand and you hold it for a while, it's going to feel real light at first, you know, and then you sort of holding it through the rest of the day, you know, and you're going to sort of end up this evening, your arm is going to be pretty t- <laughs> pretty tired. And if you make it through the day or even in tomorrow, your arm is going to fall off, literally. And so, you know, this load over time is also something that people don't really have a good understanding of, you know, and it's... um. And it, and, it, and it erodes us, you know, and it's it's tough to have something to balance out the other side of the teeter-totter and that leverage with our lifestyle and our behaviors and things to actually sort of, you know, uh, find a neutral zone when we sort of take things on. I feel like life now is tilted a little bit more towards that erosion zone, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like these low-level but yet chronic and right. unremitting stressors over time can really erode our health. Right, because a lot of times you don't know that you have this light little microphone in your pocket until you've sort of like carried it forever, you know. That's and right. I think we're very poor judges of 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 total of weight over time, especially like, um, you know, if we were to go on a, on a backpack. I'm assuming you've sort of done some backpacking. When you pick that pack up in the morning, you know, it's like you are not a judge of how heavy that pack's going to be, you know. And it's uh, um, and it and it changes over time. And I think you know it, it becomes very apparent to us when we set it down for a moment, you know, and then yeah. pick for lunch or something, and then pick it back up which is an analogy for meditation, you know, mindfulness, you know, set it down and take a break for a minute. And then it becomes clear when you pick it back up, actually what shape, what form, what, what density, all these sort of things are. So if I hear you right and understand you right, you're saying that we can take that stress in the backpack and we're allowed to set it down. You absolutely To give it are. some rest. I mean, to give ourselves some rest. Right. Yeah. And I think what the sort of big differentiation of different types of stress is, is, is ones that sort of are forced upon us and ones that we've sort of like voluntarily taken on. Those, those resonate different with, with us, you know, and they activate different parts of our, you know, of our psyche with, um, you know, if we've voluntarily sort of gone into some or decided that we're going to take it on or going to do well with it, you know, it activates different processes with our, you know, challenge and reward and accomplishment and these sort of internal drives of ours to sort of make it better and to sort of you know, do better with our lives and to measure our, our lives with progress and these types of things. You know, we're saddled with something and we don't want it and we never, you know, who does want it? You know, we wouldn't choose these things for ourselves. And we get to, but we get to choose, you know, what our opinion is or what, what the meaning that we assign to it. Or if we want to sort of decide that we're going to take it on, you know. And so um, we get to choose those types of things and that makes all the difference. You know, if we've sort of perceived that we've been saddled with something, you know, uh, and then we continue to pick it up every day, you know, something that society's it's doing. Pretty heavy weight mm-hmm. to bear. Yeah. yeah. And I also think that people miss the opportunity to sort of be neutral with something, to sort of not have an opinion one way or another. Mm-hmm. I think that's a sort of, uh, that's somebody else's, 
you know, experience, life experience, their perspectives, their situation could have a completely different meaning in what is factual for them, you know what I mean? And to sort of let that be okay for them, you know? And uh, um, But I think, you know, it's, I'd encourage, you know, everything doesn't have to be in a positive or negative sort of, or a plus or a minus. We don't have to sort of discern that automatically, which I think is our own, a lot of, you know, a lot of our nature to do. We could just be okay with it or neutral or just sort of not have an opinion. And that's okay too, you know? Right. And that sometimes is just all that you need to set it down or not even pick it up in the first place. Got it. Shifting that perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. We could also trade that backpack for a Frisbee. That's another option. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I kind of zoom out into outer space there. Right. But I think, you know, you can get good with your with your with your load and you can yeah. make a make a harness for it and carry it around. And that's you know, that's great. And I think a lot of people are, you know, are pointing at the arm and that the arm's fatigued and there's a problem with the arm, but you don't really realize <laughs> you've been holding the mic out for, you know, <laughs> this whole for podcast. You know? Right. So it's just, you know, it's a lot of perception. And there's a lot of there's a, there's a lot of um, you know, range in there that we have our own ability to to influence and uh, to help ourselves with, right? So there's stress and there's there's suffering, which in a way is assigning some sort of meaning mm-hmm. to the stress. Absolutely. Almost like personalizing it to a degree that causes suffering at times. Absolutely. You're right. You're spot on. I, I guess let's talk about your experiences and take a deep dive now into breath work because mm-hmm. we know that the breath is one of the the you know amazing and you know best ways to mm-hmm. to you know manage energy and to Absolutely. kind of uh, address some of these issues that are, you know, inevitably arriving rising in life with stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think a lot of these different modalities, you know, you know, take your pick, right? It's, you know, it's whatever you're interested in doing and starting and interest, have an interest to go explore, right? Breathing, meditation, exercise, you know, take your pick. There's a lot of stuff out there for you. But I think what all of those do is kind of like help you change the shape of it. It moves on you and then you can define it better for yourself, right? If acupuncture sort of lessens this load a little bit and then you can sort of see the forest through the trees and you get to sort of like, you get to know it better and you go, oh my gosh, I can't believe I've been like doing this the whole time. You know, you get a little perspective because of, uh, of the range and the difference. And I think it's sort of another analogy I have that I, that I teach patients on. It's pretty, it's pretty simple. And, and uh, um, it's sort of, you know, on one hand, if you listen to this, I've sort of just got my, my hand sort of out here at that sort of chest height, but I've got one hand, you know, I've got the way it is, it's reality, right? I've got sort of, this is what it is. You know, this table is white. This this microphone stand exists with these letters on the microphone. You know, this is reality. And then the other hand is what, what I want it to be. This is my expectation. This is if it could be this or it should be or, or I'd rather it, you know, all these sorts of things. And these two hands sort of just holding out here in front of me, you know, this in between, the airspace in between is suffering, Right, and if however far apart these farther apart these get, the greater the suffering is sort of relative to it. So as much as I can sort of unify the way that things are and my expectation or my desire for it to be is exactly what it is. It should be like if this. they're unified. Yeah. If we unified. have just one thing, it is fine exactly the way it is. Then it. it's hard to have any suffering inside I love of that, that right? analogy. Yeah. yeah, and so how do you do that? You know, how do you like sort of marry these things together? Right? How do you sort of be okay at least, or be you know? somewhat uh, content with things that happen to you that aren't very good. And there's so much uh, uh, bad situations and things that people don't have any influence over. And so, you know, I'm not trying to say this any sort of, you know, off, but uh, we've got to figure out a way, right, to combine these things and be okay with how, how it is, right? And it's back yeah. to sort of the neutral concept a bit, but it's also sort of, you know, how, you, how um, and so the way that I've found in my own practice um, is sort of, you know, fall in love with it, you know, find a way to fall in love with, the reality of what is right, and it's uh, um, and so you know we have, we're equipped with this big sort of electromagnetic sort of heart with with love that has this sort of you know vibrational thing that attracts all the other hearts and and sort of you know brings them together and just use that technique on on the thing that you are separate from you know to attract it to yourself and so it's sort of been my practice in some very sort of dire situations in life to sort of fall in love with what it is and so I'll define it as just like a you know a security camera kind of thing and I'll just say you know this is there's a blue trash can with a liner on it you know just describe the situation this is in this person's in the hospital and then you know and this you know and then this and and I love it for that because I've decided to fall in love with the reality of the way that life is and mm-hmm. I'm going to find a way to find you know and even if you start with this sort of micro little well, the only thing I like in this room is this fake plant over here. You know what I mean? <laughs> Start there and just let it sort of expand. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so um, you got to find a way, you know? And, create a little seed. 
create a little seat. You jam your foot in the door and then maybe you can pry it open later. You know what I mean? Uh, so gratitude, but also acknowledging this, the reality of the situation mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, it sounds like you can also, doesn't mean you can't have goals or want things to be a certain way, but we know that the, real, the only reality is really the present moment. Yeah. You know, that's something we often forget, but we are also constantly reminded about that when we kind of drop back into, into a grounded sort of mm -hmm. breathing. Right. Yeah, it's not a whole lot wrong right here if you're breathing and you're just sitting up and you're doing That's things, right. you know. There's a lot to be thankful for, and I think it's a great sort of way to reorient yourself. Right, we're life. upright, we're breathing, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah, there's something in there to be grateful for, I know it, you know, you yes. can find it, right? <laughs> so what styles of breath work do you like the most? Mm. What's been helpful or most fun for you? Yeah, I, uh, um, you, know, I you know, I'd never uh, say think that I'd be sitting here talking about breath work. I literally, you know, I, um, um, I had opportunities to be introduced to it many times you know I um, and I, you know and, and there was a need I didn't that I didn't see apparently um, you know, had asthma as a child I was you know I had croup I was you know in an oxygen tent for the first couple of days of, of uh, my life you know I had some sort of some respiratory conditions that would have been ripe for sort uh, finding this early on so um, I even had an instructor in, in school that was telling me all the cool things that were happening just sort of ignored it completely but anyway a couple of patients came in I think it was a third one was like, you got to try this. And it was just outside of my reference of like, it felt a little too extreme. I really like the basics, good nutrition, some good movement, you know, and, uh, um, you know, these breath hold retention techniques, you know, I, I didn't explore. I think we're really good at breathing, but we aren't good at all the different dynamic sort of things that intentional breathing can do for us of breath retention and different sort of. And so what I explain to people is, you know, every situation has a physiology that sort of, you know, every physio situation has a physiology. If I'm talking in front of you, I've got a different heart rate, different things, you know, and then the breathing sort of comes on board. So, oh, this is what we're doing. I'll get a breath, a breath to match the situation, right? And what you're doing with the breathing exercise is just working that in reverse. We'll do Love the, that. We'll do the breath that we, of the physiology that we want to achieve. And then by doing the breath, it'll pull the physiology there. So most people are using breath work to calm down, relax the system, you know, and sort of leverage it for that. And it can do that wonderfully. It can also excite. It can sort of do all different things. So I had some patients turn me on to some, some Wim Hof uh, style and then sort of dove into it and read every book I can get my hands on kind of thing. And, you know, and then I've been doing a practice for about three years now. The first two times were just like, you know, just uh, uh, something happened. And I was like, honey, you got to try it, you know, <laughs> kind of stuff. And then about a week into it, and these weren't the effects that I was anticipating. You know, I thought it'd be some sort of respiratory, you know, cardiovascular improvement that my wind when I when I ran would be different or something mm -hmm. like this, right? So, not at all what arrived. Um, by the end of a week, maybe five, seven practices deep or something, my like whole cognition changed in a way. And this is mostly like my encouragement towards people is it's sort of hard to know where that sort of what what keep what locked this will unlock for you. But for me personally, it was like memory and word recall and like you know my cognition i have like i had this potential that was just sitting out on the table that i was completely untapped i didn't even know i had that sort of uh, capacity on me and so i just haven't wanted to set it down since i've been doing it daily you know when i wake up in the morning uh you know to use the restroom so i don't have anything sort of uh bothering me and then i'll you know go back into bed and do a do a breath work for a while it's real quiet it's awesome yeah it's a great sort of hijack for meditation if you're having trouble with meditation, but you need something a little more active to sort of concentrate on, focus on 5% of this to actively breathe and then take your mind off the other. Yeah, it's more activating. I've definitely found it for me to, to help with energy, especially in the morning if I'm feeling tired, you know, if I do a little bit of Wim Hof, I got done some with you on, on your mm -hmm. classes and everything, you, you know, that, that energy level just kind of goes up a notch. Yeah. It's very and activating, couple, which is a great time a to couple do couple minutes. Yeah. I have dropped it in in the middle of the night when I can't sleep and I got some anxiety. I mean, it would completely change my state of my entire, you know, emotional cognitive state. Well, even when you're sleeping, when you're trying to sleep. I'm yeah, if I was trying, you know, I've done sort of last resort, I sort of pulled it out. I was like, well, what are the tools I got? And sort of, you know, it completely changed my state and my mental state, you know, and so mm -hmm. maybe it wasn't the most relaxing thing, but I was able to go back to bed because that was what was keeping me up, you know, yeah. and so yeah. um, it's been effective. It's just been massively effective in my life and I'd encourage people to, there's enough free content out there to follow along with. And You're talking about Wim Hof breathing per se? or uh, Yeah, or I've done a lot of his not, stuff. Not necessarily his technique well um you know there's other sort of uh, um yeah wim hof is a great place to get started there's you know it depends what you're looking for to accomplish right there's a bunch of different styles there's you know box breathing you know um you know uh, you, you uh buteco just sort of expand you know uh work with uh um, asthma and, and different things there's um 
it's quite a range of experiences depending on what you want to get. I would sort of explore, and you know, this, the one that sticks to the wall is probably the one you should do for a little while and see where that takes you, you know. Right. But I've completely changed, like, nose breathing and can sort of, I mean, it's entirely regulation of my nervous system I just did not expect was uh, available to me. Yeah, breathwork definitely can change your physiology pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But then I think some studies say within 90 seconds. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's pretty incredible how many, how many pills can do that. Yeah, Yeah, you want to change a state, right? you got a situation that you're having a tough time breaking out of, right? You just sort of, uh, right, you can change your physiology uh, instantly and you can be in a different place in a couple minutes, right? Breathwork is also very anti-inflammatory. It actually shuts off thousands of genes Mm. that are, you know, driving inflammation. So Mm -hmm. we talk about, you know, health and how a lot of chronic illnesses are driven by inflammation. Mm-hmm. Breathwork is another great place to start, along with nutrition, movement, right. sleep, and everything. Yeah, and I think some of these sort of, uh, um, at least, the, you know, it's not the, the most robust uh, um, understanding of the physiology, as I said, I have to admit, but um, you know, my understanding of sort of what are some of these breath retention techniques is, right, you've got this, you've changed the pH of your blood chemistry enough that it's not asking for a breath, which is oftentimes the trigger, right? And so right. Um, okay. your, your, your blood isn't asking you to breathe, so you can retain your breath for such, such a long time. Your blood oxygen levels are dipping low into this sort of range that they're not comfortable with, which then triggers this sort of cascade of vascular you know, production and uh, uh, oxygen carrying capacity and all these types of things where, you know, just like when you're exercising, you're changing your metabolism that then burns even when you're not exercising, you know, these sort of vasculation, vascularization and these sort of you know, oxygen c- capacity then works, you know, outside of this and sort of builds up that whole system to be more robust because I so thought it was in deficit. You're talking about breath holding, Corey, how long should people hold their breath? And I'm imagining hopefully that, that people can listen to their own bodies as well to, yeah, to know saying. what's best for them. Yeah, it's the second you say that, I said, like, oh, please don't sort of make it a comp- competition you Correct. Know, with right. your previous self or with anyone else. Right, because right? I, I wanted to mention that on this podcast because I know people will probably say, well, how, how long should I pull my mm-hmm. breath? And, and even it's like breath, anything else, you know. Right, yeah, you, people, do, people do with it, uh, uh, different things with it, right? And, and maybe, you know, the ability on how long you can retain your breath is a, maybe an indicator of health. But I think, you know, to just sort of you know, the guidance would be completely to listen to what is, because I can show up in totally different ways at different times. You know, I wake up one morning and I, I can sort of like, I can shoot to the moon and the other mornings I'm like, I don't even know why I can, I can't even make it to whatever. But so that's not what's your body, listen be to safe, your body. And, and, and lay down when you're doing that's my preferred sort of strategy. Yeah, right sit down, right, yeah. where they say, you know, don't pilot a vehicle or don't do anything. You don't, right. don't be in any, right. any water that you're going to sort of drown in a couple inches of, or, you know, whatever that is. Be safe with yourself, please. Yeah. Be kind. Be safe with yourself. Mm-hmm. And just explore, right? It's just a, it's just an investigation, you know, uh, and, and making conclusions or defining things as such. You can sort of just say Let's later. mention 478 breathing as well, because I think Wim Hof or breath holding can be more of an advanced technique. And some people may want to start with that, but other people may want to start with a more calming breath. Absolutely. A lot of people are running around, whether they're running around physically or even mentally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all need, all need a time during the day, either before, at the end of the day or in the middle of the day, mm-hmm. to pause. Mm-hmm. And, you know, four seven eight breathing is a perfect way to do that. When I think back to where we talk about changing your physiology, like changing your state, if, especially... Um, uh, applicable in transitions during your day, right? Okay. If you're going to go from one behavior to a different yeah. soul separate, right? I'm going to go, you know, I'm a professional and now I'm going to go home and be a dad or whatever these sort of, you know, role changes or some transitionary sort of state, you know, I, I can take a few minutes and really bring myself there, you know, and not sort of linger in the sort of residue of So using the breath work practice as a little mini mm-hmm. break, transition, mini pause, a little transition. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. So I think, you know, and, and sort of basic understanding is, you know, these longer exhales are a relaxing, sort of the breaks on the nervous system, sort of calming, very sort of, you know, uh, collecting, you know, and these inhales, that, you know, so the, the ratio of how much inhale to exhale, you know, if you're activating or, 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 or mm-hmm. relaxing. So the longer exhales, the longer the relaxed, you know, the more inhale in the, in the practice, the more activating. So for 470 breathing, for instance, we would have four seconds of inhalation. Mm-hmm seven seconds of holding the breath, and then eight seconds of exhalation. Right, so you can so see that double ratio. Double ratio, mm-hmm. yeah, eight to four. Right, yeah. so it's a, very much highlighting the, the relaxation. The calming aspect, Yeah, got it. Well, um, anything else on breath work you'd like to say? Have you have you felt that your patients in acupuncture are um, doing the breath work like during treatments, would you say, or do you encourage them to do that? Uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. I, you know, I... Um, I don't do a lot of sort of meditation. I think it'd be great for somebody to take out opportunity to sit there. You know, we end up sort of yammering on a bit and sort of, you know, get to sort of explore their life and what's going on. And it gets a little more casual, I think, when we're sort of upright sitting um, and having a conversation that somebody's trying to explain all this stuff going on. It's different and sort of, you know, and so, I, you know, maybe I'm, 
utilizing that space and time a little bit differently, right? Um, maybe I should keep my mouth shut and let him do some breathing and some meditation. <laughs> different things for, for different people, right? Absolutely, yeah. right? Yeah, so, um, you know, it's an experiment with yourself, right? See what works, you know, and listen and observe. And then, uh, right, if you really respond to this relaxation technique of, of breathing, then that's one for you, you know? With this amazing system. esoteric breathing technique, Known as breathing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you all are really <laughs> available twenty four seven. We're talking right now. We're breathing. Mm-hmm. Talk about accessibility here, and uh, mm-hmm. whether you're driving a car, having a conversation with someone, eating, mm-hmm. even you know between your, you still gotta still gotta breathe when you're eating. Mm-hmm. You know, so these yeah. are all areas that we could opportunities. I would say yeah. moments of opportunities. Right, we're already pretty good at it. Right, we've been doing it for a long time. You know, you sort of uh, uh, you know just figure out how it is to you know. I guess if, you, if you're walking, you're good at walking, right? But did you have you run and crawled and tai chi and doing all these other things that you right. can do with your uh, with your legs? It's pretty fun. Yeah. And, and we're not often aware that we're breathing, though. I would say, you know, we're, we've been breathing, you know, many, many, who knows how many breaths, you know, in our lifetimes here. But it's not something we pay attention to all the time. We're always paying attention to these other right. other aspects of our lives. Yeah, and I think by nature of the situation sort of requires you to breathe in a certain way, right? And if we're a bit stressed and a bit uptight, mm-hmm. then we're sort of you know, we're activating these sort of uh, uh, costal muscles. We're getting our, our chest breathing going, and that's just it seems natural because that's the breath for a stress situation, right? We want to open up the pipeline and give yeah. maximum. And I love what you said about the bidirectional nature of that breath to your mood. If you want to change your mood, you can actually change your breathing, mm-hmm. and then it'll go in the reverse way, which is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so just to be conscious of sort of where you breathe from and how you're breathing and what sort of, you know, you know, what's, what's you know, <laughs> because it's a mirror of the situation that you're in, right? If I'm really chest breathing and upper rib cage breathing, I'm probably having a stressful moment, you know? One of the best ways to activate breathing is to just remind ourselves that we're alive, we're, we have bodies, we're, we're breathing, the breath is flowing in and out, mm-hmm. and smiling. Right. Smiling is another piece that's mm-hmm. going to potentially activate some of those relaxation you know, aspects of breathing. Right. So uh, maybe we were talking about about this earlier, but I thought this is great to, you know, Mm -hmm. add on this podcast. Oh, yeah. That was just a uh, comment. I was on my way in here. I was, uh, I mentioned to you before we we, we fired this up, but it was, um, I had my mask off and I was out in public and, and, uh, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was a lot of distance. Everything was good, but I was just realizing I was smiling at everybody that was going by sort of purposefully. And I just sort of had this, you know, what a smile deficit that's been going on for the last people couple of years. People were wearing masks or not wearing masks? Well, I was, um, I could see people in cars. I was actually driving in the, in the parking oh, lot and somebody yeah. sort of let me go and I had a big smile and yeah. started smiling. That's sort of what set it off. And then somebody crossing the crosswalk, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, this, this young little girl that was sort of I was smiling with her. Nice, and smiling sort of, from the car. The energy see, is so, right? you know, amazing. Yeah, you can be in a, in a safe environment and smile. So, but just, you know, the, the, how much, you know, coverings have been worn and how much sort of, you know, uh, uh, that transmission of that sort of love and that, you know, encouragement yeah. of, you know, it's really, it, it's, uh, um, it's contagious, the, the smile it and is. the mood and that sort of stuff. And, and so I was, felt we were living a in a little... thing that smiles are contagious. Absolutely. Living on a little deficit, I must sort of single-handedly <laughs> brought that up on the way in here. Everyone knows yeah. how to smile. Everyone likes it. So mm-hmm. just kind of reminding people that it's okay to smile. Yeah. It's a great way. Just like it's okay to relax. It's okay to mm-hmm. let that backpack go once in a while. Yeah, give yourself some light. A smile is a great gateway into that. Absolutely. Nervous system balance. Yeah, hard to complain with a smile. Yeah. So that's great. So, Corey, I know you have an amazing morning routine. So that's oh. one of our closing questions is... How's your morning routine? If, if you do have one, I suppose. But I, I believe you you had shared before that you do have some. Oh yeah, I got, I, I'm sure I got some. Change uh, change once in a while. Yeah, it's sort of it, uh, always evolves. You know, um, yeah, like I said, uh, you know, I, uh, I I usually get up before everybody, but I get back into bed after I uh, use the restroom, and then I you know I um, get a little water, and then I'll. Um, I'll do a breathing technique that I sort of do for maybe 15 minutes, and then I usually hijack the end of that because the, the state change is so cool, and my mind is such in a different place. It really sort of like is a great like um, you know uh, starting gate for a good meditation, and so I'll do that for a little bit, and then um, I like to make my bed. You know, I've heard some people talk about that. Is that a nice good big good win uh, for your day? You can always come back to a made bed and you feel accomplished. You know, so that's yeah. something I already check do. something off. You already check something off. And I think that's why I like front load so much stuff in my day. Is that conversation right there? It's like mm-hmm. I get my exercises in early because then I'll know. I you know you, you never regretted sort of finishing a workout, right? And so I always feel like my day is put true. together. I put some you know I put some good food in my body. I've uh, um, I've got my meditation, got my exercise underway, and then I can sort of shove off. You know, and then whatever comes my way, I'm already good. You know. Um, 
challenges out and there. And as a healthcare practitioner and healer, as you know, it's the most important thing is to fill your own tank before you, mm-hmm. you know, are of service to others. Absolutely. You can, you can do that. Yeah. And I've had to learn that over the years, you know. Uh, Same. Uh, Absolutely. It's nice to show up and be ready for it. You know, I have a little tank to give, you know. I think right. that's really, that's a fine line for providers to walk. To walk. I've been talking to somebody recently about it. You know, it's a... It's just, um, I think by by the nature of something draws you in a profession like this, you sort of, you're, you're good at giving, you know, and can you receive and can you mm-hmm. sort of contain a bit, you know, and, yeah. and it's a it's yeah. a challenge uh, and for everyone, right? And, uh, right. right. But you got to, uh, you know, got more to give if you take care of yourself. Absolutely. Well, aside from the CIH podcast, what book or podcast are you enjoying the most right now? Hmm. You know, usually uh, uh, my strategy lately has been to sort of dive into a topic of, and I'll go like four books deep into one sort of, nice. you know, one topic. So I was like, you know, a little while back, it was all the habit books. You know, it was uh, Atomic Habits some, some James uh, Clear and some, uh, you know, uh, um, The Power of Habit, you know. And then, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and I got uh, Essentialism. Um, Greg McCowan was a really good one lately. Um, I don't know, I do a, a lot of sort of, you know, some self-help stuff and some, you know, some... Noah Harari stuff and some uh, uh, Nassim Taleb stuff. I just, I don't know, I'm all over the map with it. And um, Got a library there. Yeah, building it uh, a bit, I guess. Um, yeah, and that's, um, yeah, and the podcast, I just, I don't know, I'm, I'm so into the content that's available to people these days. It's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's infinite. Amazing, and it's it's really. such a great medium to have a, a, a engaging conversation with somebody that you can dive in a little bit and really like explore some content without any breaks or you know, sponsorships and all these types of things. Not that there's anything wrong with that. People got to make a dollar, but you know what I mean? It's yeah, just, yeah. you get to explore what people are really into. And so, yeah, go, uh, you know, the, the onus is then on ourselves to be the filter. You know, the content is not the sort of, uh, it's not the problem, right? We've got to, uh, enough content to, to fill up a world, but, uh, yeah. um, right. It's sort of, you know, it's really, you know, in Chinese medicine, your small intestines really sort of working overtime these days to sort of filter what comes into the body, what gets gets absorbed in and what doesn't. Right. And I think you have to really be your own filter and do that yourself. Right. Who's going to certainly in this day and age. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just to sort of be mindful, I sort of, I, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a minimalist in certain types and I sort of starve myself of certain types of content. You know, I just, uh, intentionally, intentionally, I don't like real theatrical sort of, uh, information, you know, that has an agenda. So I just, you know, I like to get real, I like to read my content (laughs) because it just tracks from that a bit, you know, um, you know, the theatrics of it a bit. So, yeah, there's no shortage of it. You just gotta be sort of conscious of what you're feeding in. Referrals to content are just as good as referrals to practitioners, you know? Mm -hmm. So make sure that, you know, where they say you're, you are the five people that you sort of hang out. That's the most, I think at this day and age, especially, uh, with the content, you know, I could listen to Dr. Wong's podcast and be hanging out with him a, a bunch of times a, a week, and then maybe you know I become yeah. a little bit of a, a, of what you got, you know. So. Same, same, same with you, Corey. Absolutely. Uh, one more thing. So, what do you do every day to cultivate joy? You know, we know that joy and purpose is a really they're really key aspects mm. of health and wellness. So, just kind of curious, what yours on your docket for cultivating joy? Mm. Oh, fun. Well, back to gratitude, you know, I'll kick it off with a good sort of thanks, thanks to be alive, right? It's yes. great to sort of put your feet on the ground, so you should be sort of, a, uh, it's a good one to kick off with. You know, I, uh, um, I sort of designed my life in a way that I can uh, optimize the places that I find joy in, right? And actually be there and present to enjoy them. You know, walking my kids to the bus this morning is the most fun thing I've ever done, you know? Nice. Yeah. Today, right? So, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I like being a dad, and I like sort of uh, taking care of kids. So it's, yeah, um, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of joy in that. Yeah. Like being in a relationship and uh, yeah. in a loving relationship with my wife. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. yeah. Lots Same. of joy. That's so great. Lots of love. That's so great. You got to build it though. You know, Absolutely. It just arrive sometimes. You got to, you got to, you know. And love is the foundation for wellness. Mm-hmm. You know, seriously. Hundred percent. You know, this is something that we definitely like to cultivate here with our clinic, but it starts with great people like yourself, Corey. So thank yeah. you so much for coming on today. And oh, my pleasure. Your uh, spirit presence very. Much appreciated and loved by all of us. Um, if you enjoyed this conversation, please take a moment to leave us a review. It helps our podcast reach more listeners. And thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Absolutely. Amazing. Thanks for having Thanks, me. Great.